0: I'm Gona, your host, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Morgan Harris, who's a neurologist, so let her introduce herself.
1: Okay, first of all, thank you, Eurelie, for doing this, and thank Thank you for having me. Of course. So my name is Dr. Morgan Harris. I'm a neurologist, so as a general neurologist, uh, we see all types of patients. I have specific training in nerve and muscle testing, electromyography, Mm but I see headaches, migraines, MS, all kinds of neurological uh, diseases.
0: How long have you been a neurologist for?
1: Um, so I graduated from medical school in 2007, and so over, over a decade.
0: And what other previous jobs, or what I guess, um, do you work, have worked in private practice, organizations, nonprofits?
1: Um, so my first job at residency was in Sarasota, Florida. Um, and kind of like a hospital private practice mm-hmm. uh, type model. I've We moved uh, throughout the years uh, for family reasons, but um, mainly those kinds of sectors. I worked at the VA for a little while, oh, and I've okay. been here at Providence for a little less than two years. Yeah. You started with me, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I started
0: short. I think I started, and then you started shortly mm-hmm. after, yeah. yeah. So we got a chance to work together, mm-hmm. which yeah. is great. <laughs> Um, I, and I
1: miss her very much. Uh, thank
0: you. <laughs> um, could you um, tell us a little bit about your cultural background or upbringing? Sure. So
1: I'm black. I identify myself as a black woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am very blessed. So I had a good start. Uh, my mom stayed home with us mm-hmm. uh, for a good part of her life. And she's a preacher's daughter. We were in church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were taught you know, keep God first, respect people, respect your elders. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we always had that um, as kind of like a cultural base. And the healthcare system for me was always a very positive thing. My dad is an OB-GYN, oh, okay,
2: interesting.
1: he's retired now, yeah. um, but he was one of the only black ob in Denver, oh, cool. uh, which is where I grew up, so I saw him and how important he was. To the community, especially women of color, mm-hmm. and so that really kind of shaped my view of healthcare and how important community doctors are. It's one of the reasons why I became a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I and mean,
0: it's nice to see women of color in healthcare. I mean, I can relate as a Latina woman that it's nice to see other cultures that you know people that are that I understand or minorities are you know in healthcare, and it's good to see your own people when you go to the doctor. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Um, So I mean this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was just basically to see how much culture and like Socioeconomic status affects the access that these patients have Mm -hmm. Um, And so how would you define culture because I feel like culture is interpreted differently, right for different people
1: So I mean just as a very broad definition I think of culture as what makes up like Mm -hmm. what is the who of a group so that can be anything from belief systems to diet, spiritual beliefs, uh, communication style, style of dress, just everything that defines that particular group.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you think that culture affects how patients get access to healthcare? Do you think it's a role, a big role?
1: So that is a very good question (laughs) and a very complicated question. So I kind of want to answer it this way because you can't really talk about culture Without talking about socioeconomic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, socioeconomics, and without talking about the system mm-hmm. um, of inequality mm-hmm. that exists in this country, yeah, so healthcare is one part of that, right? Mm-hmm. So all the inequalities that exist, if you kind of think about it in the context of you know, we, we are under a system of inequality and oppression, mm-hmm. then it makes sense why there are inequalities in the first place. So, for mm-hmm. example, if we, start, if we talk about um, housing. Yeah. So, in this country, if you're black or brown, you're more likely to live in an area uh, that is a healthcare desert or a food mm-hmm. desert or you don't have access to adequate education. That's not by choice. There's historical basis for that, dating all the way back to redlining. Black and brown people were kept out of neighborhoods where you have Mm -hmm. access to all these things. So if you kind of take it step by step, so housing. If you live in a building where uh, a pandemic hits, there's absolutely no way for you to social distance. Mm -hmm. You don't have access to clean water, possibly. I mean, we've seen that. Maybe you have leaded windows, mm-hmm. or hopefully not still lead paint, but the housing structure itself is going to directly impact your health. Yeah. And then on top of that, if, for example, just as as a mom myself mm-hmm. and trying to balance everything, and I have everything that I could possibly need, right? I'm a physician. Yeah. I have a car, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes it's hard to try to you know figure out how am I going to get my kids to the doctor, how am do I get yeah. myself to the doctor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine if you're working two jobs, you don't have the option of asking for time off, mm-hmm. you don't have the gas money to get to the doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. you don't have anyone to watch your kids. So these are things that you know people of privilege <clears throat> often don't think about, kind of past judgment, but yeah. it's very hard. And so if you live in a place where you don't have access to a clinic, or an urgent care, or an emergency room, it's just not going to be on your priority, on your yeah. priority list to just go, you know, for for a checkup, mm-hmm. and so oftentimes that's why you end up with people, not coming to the doctor until they're almost on death door,
2: yeah.
1: Not, and okay, so that's just one piece of it. So what about, diet? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, um, live in in a, a neighborhood where you can't walk, to uh. A grocery store that has fruits and vegetables that are affordable, mm-hmm. what are you gonna see? Probably fast food restaurants, mm-hmm. liquor stores, yeah. convenience stores where you have, you know, hostess and processed foods. And so, mm-hmm. by no fault of your own, what you can eat is gonna set you up for all these diseases that we see, which are more prevalent yeah. in, in communities of color. Um, so, and then speaking about diet. So, I mean, I I often hear people talking about, oh, you know, the diet in the African-American community or, you know, soul food or, you -hmm. know, if we didn't eat salty foods or fatty foods, that's a Mm -hmm. historical context for that dating all the way back to slavery. Yeah. Or, you know, the resilience of black people in our culture trying to make do with the worst, worst, worst foods. Yeah. It has evolved over time to this cultural... A phenomenon which is comforting mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden you're going to tell people like no you can't you can't eat this they're going to look at you and say I'm not coming back to you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just takes time you have to build trust so there's many different things and I could go on and on so mm-hmm. education if you're not if you don't have access to a school mm-hmm. where you can start to break the cycle get an education set you up, yourself up for economic empowerment you're going to continue to stay in that same neighborhood yeah. if you don't have access to clean spaces and recreational um, spaces where your kids can play, where you can exercise, where your kids can stay out of trouble, stay out of the prison system. Mm-hmm. And it's all these, all of these things. So you know, one by one, you can go through, and all of these things are going to affect healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so, if you make it, if you make it to the doctor, yeah. if you get to uh-huh. the doctor. And then kind of what you were saying before, you get there and and there's somebody who doesn't look like you, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: who's looking at you crazy, passing judgment on you, you're not going to want to come back, you're not going to trust them, you're not going to be compliant with Mm -hmm. the health care plan. And in many communities of color, um, especially the African-American community, there's, I'm sure you know, Mm -hmm. the Tuskegee experiment, Henrietta Lacks, documented and undocumented, reasons why people do not trust the healthcare system for a yeah. good reason. Yeah. And so once you make it to interface with a healthcare provider, I think that's where representation in medicine comes in. Mm-hmm. So you're more willing to wanna to come to the doctor if you see someone who maybe doesn't get it all the way, but maybe you can tell that they're trying. Yes. Or there's, you know, something, mm-hmm. you know, some piece that, that you can connect with them. So you know when you talk about trying to fix it 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 can almost seem insurmountable because you can't fix it without fixing the system yeah Yeah. so i think if you just kind of start with one small piece so i'm a clinician Mm -hmm. you know i'm a black woman Mm -hmm. and i love to be in a place where i can see someone who says oh thank god yeah thank god you're here i I finally have somebody who i can you know i feel like you're listening to me it's my small contribution, yeah, you know, to trying to
0: which at least increase
1: the representation.
0: Yes, it does. And you touch on a very a lot of good points that I actually didn't really think about until now that you're you're talking about them. that it is a whole system as a whole. And you're right; you can't change it without changing the main concept, which is just healthcare and just the way society runs in this country. Um, I feel like there's a lot of you were talking about housing I feel like there is a lot of housing segregation that happens and so then all these issues happen like you said food deserts healthcare and then also people don't want to go to the doctor unless they're really sick right? and then once they go to the doctor it's like oh, well, you can't help me because, well, now you have all these issues that are chronic. You can't just fix them with one doctor's visit. And so they're like, well, I'm not coming back because you didn't fix me. Exactly. <laughs> so I see that a exactly. lot in my culture as well. But mm-hmm. I think it's overall in and just, and just cultures or, I guess, um, society that if you don't go to the doctor and then once you go and they can fix you, you lost kind of, like, that faith in, like, okay, I'm not going to go to the doctor anymore because he didn't help me.
1: And we didn't even get into healthcare insurance and paying yes. for co-pays and paying for medicine. That's and hard too. So yeah, it's like you want me to come do this again and again and mm-hmm. again and again? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's it's tough when you see, I mean it's hard when you see a patient struggle but they have all these, you know I, I'm, I'm sure you can relate that it's hard for you to see a patient that if were to come and done preventative visits or gotten things checked out earlier it could have avoided a lot of things absolutely um would you say you've experienced issue firsthand as a patient or or like your family yeah seeing this barrier
1: unfortunately yes Uh, (laughs) and i don't want to get into every single example because um i don't know that it's helpful but i have definitely um been dismissed Mm -hmm. as a patient and sometimes I tell uh, doctors that I'm a doctor, and sometimes I don't, um, just because mm-hmm. I, sometimes I kinda wanna see how they're gonna interact with me, but I have been um, just treated incorrectly, completely mm-hmm. incorrectly, dismissed, but in dangerous situations, about to go into an operation without venous access, mm-hmm. and it makes me so s- sad mm-hmm. and emotional to think about it, because I have, like I said before, I have all the resources, Yeah. it happens to me, I have somebody standing beside me who happens to be a doctor too to say she's not going into the surgery without, oh, without an IV, yeah. <laughs> like somebody put an IV in, yeah. but when you hear about the statistics of African American women dying in childbirth, that it some of these things are probably happening where no one is taking the time to do the right thing, so I have definitely experienced it. Um, I've experienced it more than once and um, there are a lot of good doctors I don't think I don't think any um, health care providers go into medicine to, to be racist yeah. <laughs> to people Yeah. Um, but you you have to find you have to find uh, the right doctor yeah. because some people I think either are jaded or um, don't have the education mm-hmm. um, to understand that you know this isn't all about choice and um, I think that's that's the other side of uh, the representation piece. Is there's been many times of being a black woman in medicine in an underrepresented field in medicine where mm-hmm. I've had to have really uncomfortable conversations with my colleagues, because like, yeah. you have to speak up and call yeah. people on their bias and say, you can't say that, mm-hmm. you can't do that. <laughs> that's not right, and yeah. the initial reaction is always like super defensive, but then you can kind of see that the person is not a bad person it's just yeah. that you, they need some time to come around and say oh you know what that's not right mm-hmm. and then maybe you've helped the next patient that they'll see yeah so they can at least ch- learn to check themselves a little bit when they yeah. see a patient
0: I mean I'm sorry <coughs> you had to go through that and that that is scary to know that you have you know all this medical background uh, the same as your husband and so I can only imagine what the other people go through. Exactly. That And, it, and it's sad. And it, and this is why I think it's good for people to be more conscious about knowing that people that don't look the same as you might be going through different things that you might not understand because you're privileged enough to have access or you don't get judged based on how you look. Exactly. Um, yeah. So if healthcare was free... I mean, would culture and socioeconomic status still be an issue?
1: I think so. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, because money is just one small piece of it. So mm-hmm. if, if healthcare were free, we'd still have the bias. We'd yeah. still have, you know, the systems of oppression that you know make it difficult to even access the healthcare. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, that wouldn't that would, would help. Yeah. <laughs> but it wouldn't fix everything. It wouldn't
0: fix it. Um. So you see um different types of patients, you know, different races, ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Um how do you work with patients that have a different language or a different cultural beliefs?
1: So the language piece is actually really interesting because I um used to speak fluent Spanish. I understand mm-hmm. it very well now, but I don't have the confidence to speak it, but yeah. um you have to make sure, especially with something like neurology, probably mm-hmm. with everything, but that your point is getting across, and that your patient's point is getting across. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that's the most important thing with working with somebody with a different language, is that you have to make sure that the communication is not falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of different cultural beliefs, I think you just have to find common ground enough to have a rapport. Um, and just go from there. Like, if the patient is sitting there willing to work with you, then you have to do do your job and take care of that patient. So, um,
0: not only as a black woman, but also just, in general, a woman, do you feel like you get pushback because you're a physician?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I think at least 50% of the time you have to spend the first part of the visit visit convincing people that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) They assume for whatever reason that, oh, you know... Maybe you're you're new. You don't really know what you're doing. So yeah, you have to yeah. push push past those barriers and yeah. earn people's trust.
0: There's so much. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> um, as a healthcare provider, how do you eliminate your own like prejudge and just negative assumptions about certain types of patients based on their cultural or like you know socioeconomic class? Mm-hmm.
1: That's a really good question. So I think it depends on the type of person that you are. So I think mm-hmm. no one wants to think that they have bias, right? No yeah. one wants to think that. But, and I think it helps when you've been discriminated against, mm-hmm. um, when you've been on the other side of you know, the, the, the table, so to speak, as a patient where you can walk into a room and see, like if you're a Christian like myself, mm-hmm. your brother and sister in Christ or you know, a human being deserving of respect Deserving that you listen to what they say before yeah. you just decide what you know what they have or mm-hmm. um, If you haven't do if you haven't done that or if you don't try to do that, then you're not doing your job Yeah, I mean, I think it's just you have to have enough humility to um, Realize that maybe you're not getting it right every time mm-hmm. Like if somebody tells you something you're, you're doing you have to say okay, I'm gonna do this
2: Yeah,
1: and that way also when you see people who possibly have never experienced any discrimination in their life and they're saying inappropriate things, you have to also give them a little bit of leeway mm-hmm. to improve because I think that kind of shuts people down mm-hmm. from trying if you just, you know, yeah. make them feel like horrible people. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the answer to your question is you just, you have to. You have to do your best because yeah. that, that's what the patient um, deserves.
0: Um, going back to the language barrier, um, what is the correct way to communicate using an interpreter when there's a different language?
1: So the correct way is to look at the patient and talk to the patient as if the interpreter is not there. That doesn't work all the time. I mean, yeah. sometimes they can't, they're asking for clarification, you have to clarify, you have to go closer, but mm-hmm. if you just walk in and just speak to the interpreter or speak to the i the ipad as mm-hmm. if the patient is not there they're going to you lose that whole patient doctor relationship yeah. um so that that's what you're supposed to do
0: um and i'm sure I don't, i'm sure you've had this before where there's always maybe like you know you see a lot of older patients in neurology most of the time mm-hmm. so you always have that son daughter somebody caregiver of a patient um, so how do you deal with, you know, if they have dementia or something and there's a language barrier and then they're the ones making decisions, but yet the patient is like, no, I don't want to do that. But it's not dementia. Sometimes it is like, how do you as a like what's the right way to go about that?
1: It's a line to walk. Yeah. And it, it, I encounter it often. So oftentimes the patient will come in mm-hmm. with a very loving and well-meaning and very pushy family member yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to give the whole history mm-hmm. and actually shushes the patient sometimes when they try to talk. And it's difficult because obviously the patient is your patient. Mm-hmm. Even if they're completely demented, you have to interact with the patient and kind of see where they are. And sometimes they're not quite as bad as the as the family member thinks mm-hmm. and you can get some information from them. But if you push too hard and completely alienate the family member, then you're not gonna be able to help the patient either because they're not gonna come back.
2: Sure.
1: So you have to kind of say in a respectful way, like, okay, well, thank you for that. Do you mind, let me just talk to the patient for a little bit and I'll come back to you. I'll circle back mm-hmm. to you. Or you just have to kind of find different ways to make the family member feel involved, um, yeah. but also kind of let them know that you need to get the information that you need. So it's just you know, patient by patient, you have to just Take it, take it one patient at a time, and yeah. see what you can do.
0: We do certain religious beliefs in a culture act as a barrier for your patients to get health care?
1: That's really tricky. And when it comes to religion, I'm always very quick to like call mm-hmm. ethics or anyone because you have to kind of think about it in a sense of is it is it a barrier or mm-hmm. is it just that person's belief? You know, for mm-hmm. us, we're healthcare providers. It's a barrier. Like you know, we have to fix everything, we have to yeah. heal them, but first, if that's not your belief, mm-hmm. if you are a Scientologist or Jehovah's Witness or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. I think you have, kind of have to approach it from the perspective of how can I present you with the information mm-hmm. so that I know you understand it and then give you the autonomy to just do what you want. But it, yeah. it's so difficult that I always ask for help. I yeah. think that that's the best thing to do because there are people who kind of study this and mm-hmm. are at the hospital ethics committees who can kind of walk you walk you through it because okay. you don't want to yeah. you don't want to offend anyone when it yeah. comes to so anything they, but specifically religion. Yes.
0: So you basically offer it, and then if they don't want to, and it's like you know
1: exactly, okay. but then it can become trickier if it's yeah. like a minor. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that's why you <laughs> need that extra mm-hmm. support. <laughs> that's good to know I didn't know that there were like ethnic committees ethics committees yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what would be some ways that we can start changing little by little I know you said we have to change just the way the system there's a lot of puzzles to it pieces of the puzzle to it Mm -hmm. but what could be one change that can start something
1: well I think from a clinician's point of view what I'm always uh, trying to focus on I think is a representation in medicine. I think mm-hmm. increasing the amount of doctors of color mm-hmm. um, in medical school and um, in residencies and in medical assistant school and PA school. I think just getting more providers mm-hmm. um, of color to, to represent what the population looks like yeah. um, so that it can be a bridge mm-hmm. to um, start to address some of these things at the level that the patient is because mm-hmm. if you just have doctors or healthcare administrators making policies based on what they think, sometimes that ends up making you feel good but not actually helping. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you have to kind of meet the patient where they are physically as well, like healthcare um, buses, community health centers, Mm -hmm. you know, making it easier to actually access care in that way. Um, And then as we were kind of talking about before, when you get to the door having somebody available
2: Mm-hmm.
1: what Whatever that looks like for that patient um, that they feel comfortable enough to um, start to break down those distrust issues or um, you know just not um, not wanting to interface with, with a doctor who you feel like might judge you yeah I think it's just really important to, to see someone who looks like you. yeah so that, that's the first yeah. start and then um, ask people what they need Mm -hmm. like you know if you have a patient um who's socioeconomically disadvantaged or you're meeting them like saying how can I help as opposed to kind of pushing on them what you think they need Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're going to tell you something you didn't even think about because you're not experiencing it
0: sure yeah and I think it's also just talking about this in general I think it's just making more people aware about, you know, the things in healthcare, because I feel like a lot of people don't really know the way healthcare kind of works and how, like you said, it triggers. Mm-hmm. So it's good to, I guess, just talk about it or be, and have people be more social, socially and culturally aware of everybody else. Um, and I think, I mean, for me, that's a start. I think this is why it's important when we're talking about it. Um, and I think... Um, Yes, definitely a rep- representation in the field, for sure. Um, I aspire to be a PA one day, so yeah, you definitely will. want to, um, you know, help represent that way. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy, so happy to work with you. I think you're a great doctor and I think you, you represent um, greatly a woman of color in the medical field. Aww, so, you. you know, just to let you know, I, you, I look up to you as a woman and as a woman of color, I think you are amazing. Tell me and You're you gonna make me like <laughs> and and <laughs> I can you. see how much you care for patients, um, and it's nice to see. And I feel represented, represented by you. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that. And thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, always, yeah. That's, um, thank you. Do you have any other comments or anything you want to say? No, I
1: just wanted to say that I'm so proud of you for doing this. Um, I think exactly what you said, like this. Mm-hmm. To even start the conversation yeah. is one small piece. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people who actually do this for a living, like health health equity. It's a it's a whole field. People study it. So you know, I know you know in this context and the context of the clinician, but mm-hmm. to just start the conversation so that we can all learn. Yeah. Um, and then if you've never even heard the term <laughs> health equity, and maybe someone will listen to your podcast yeah. and say, "Oh, okay, what is going on?" Yeah. And so I think starting the conversation definitely helps. So thank you. Thank you for doing this. Well, thank you
0: for yeah. being part of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Thank guys. you so
1: much. That was so good.